Aalto-yliopiston podcast. The downside is that the lot of coders will lose their jobs because they just disappear. They are automated by the AI. But on the other hand, I'm actually quite convinced that this will create a lot of new work because there are so many innovations around the world that couldn't afford earlier to be coded. Welcome to Alta University podcast. I'm Professor Timo Vuori. And I'm Professor of Practice Tero Ojanperä and also co-founder of Silo AI, a private AI lab. We have been doing a podcast series in Finnish about platform ecosystems and artificial intelligence. And today we give you the coolest highlights in English. Yes, and we talk about uh, how to scale your platform, how to focus your action to, to build momentum and, and many other things. And of course, we are also discussing how ChatGPT or OpenAI is building a platform. Why are platforms, artificial intelligence and ChatGPT so important today? Yeah, the point is uh, really that uh, uh, we are seeing a tremendous momentum around AI at the moment. And uh, of course, that links to the platforms because platforms are created around network effects. And network effects, they mean something like you have a telephone, you need a second telephone for the network to work, but how does it go? Yeah, exactly. The Every user in a platform increases the value for other users. So two telephone users is better than one, three is even better, etc., etc. But but you also have a plat- network effects in 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 other ways. For example, if I'm typing in a question uh, into ChatGPT and it answers it, and I rate that how good the question was is it will learn from that. So my actions are adding value to the other users through these learning mechanisms. And I guess that's one of the reasons why companies that are able to create successful platforms become so capable. They are able to provide so good services because their capability does not come from inside the organization, but from the whole network of users that each contribute to both the capability of the organization and I guess also the innovations and services that the company can provide. Exactly. And uh, in that respect, actually, we come to the AI, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, which is amplifying this network effect because it it kind of creates the learning loop where you which enables you to learn faster from data and the, and the users of your platform. So we are seeing the network effect being amplified by the learning loop powered by AI, and that creates the secret source behind these successful companies, whether we are talking about Tesla, OpenAI and ChatGPT, John Deere, or or digital services like, uh, like Facebook and Google. Okay, so in Facebook it's relatively easy, so I get more value from Facebook if my friends are there, and Facebook algorithms learn from my reactions which kind of content I like, and therefore they can display me the most engaging content from me. 
Then when we go to John Deere, there you have the tractor and the ecosystem around the tractor and the farm. So other companies can provide additional services to the same platform. And these services themselves provide value for the tractor user. And then you say that also AI adds value to that. And I guess these are really cool examples, but the big point is how someone who doesn't own a platform yet or doesn't already employ AI in the best possible way, how can they get started? Exactly. And there we come to the first point that we are going to discuss today, that is uh, turn your fear into energy. I remember the day I first tried ChatGPT and it wrote better text than I do. It wrote it faster. It made no grammatical errors in English and... uh, It kind of threatened my job as an author and, well, I felt fear, new technologies of fear. And I guess in many companies, there are dozens and dozens of people and services that are currently done manually. And one big fear might be that AI is going to do those things better and steal their business. We could see, at least from the outside, it looked like a panic when ChatGPT became successful or popular. Google announced that they are also accelerating their own development and there were news articles about how Google leadership is pushing Google engineers to include Google's chat AI into every possible service. And I can understand that it's a huge threat for companies and if they fall behind, so they must react. And in Google's case, the fear was probably useful in that it turned into energy. They started doing things. Yeah, they they did start uh, doing things and and they called everybody into the all hands on deck, so to speak, and actually it led even to the uh, organizational change where the deep mind that has been kind of Google's AI research arm was merged with the Google's uh, internal Uh, AI organizations to create their uh, more powerful unit to address this challenge that ChatGPT and OpenAI has presented to the market. Google needs to respond. And of course, uh, also the threat is coming from Microsoft, their arch rival that has been very sort of the fast to adapt uh, OpenAI's technology into their products. Just today, actually, uh, I, I noticed that they have launched its Copilot, where the Windows uh, operating system is getting all of these cool tools which you can use to summarize things, search for information, ask questions from the uh, operating system directly. So it's 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 interesting how fast this is progressing. Indeed. And it's understandable that these major changes generate major reactions and there might be this fear and it can lead to optimal reactions, it can lead to overreactions in the sense of panic that you do too much or you kind of start doing more acquisitions or drop everything and change everything and then fail. But I think we also see some people reacting in a more defensive way that rather than going into the unfamiliar territory and leveraging the tools or more broadly speaking, leveraging the platform opportunities and seeing new ways of doing the old business. Instead of doing that, they kind of hold on to 
the old way of doing things and reject all the innovations. Uh, indeed. So we are seeing today, whether you are talking about industrial companies like John Deere, Connect Corporation, Tesla, etc., that are manufacturing equipment that is becoming more and more intelligent, they are embracing those who are best in breed. They are embracing this change and incorporating uh, the platform thinking and the AI into their systems. And also, of course, in the digital world where we one could say that the AI is getting democratized, you have uh, better and faster access to AI capabilities than ever. So starting a company is uh, simpler, scaling it simpler. But of course, one should remember that there are certain rules Uh, that are valid despite of this uh, huge change. What do you mean? I mean that, for example, removing friction. That when you are building a new service, which you target to become uh, be the, the winner in the market, you should always start from the customer problem. Uh, what? How do, does it benefit? What friction are you removing that was there earlier? It could be like uh, that you are There is a fragmented uh, uh, demand and supply, so it's hard to access certain things. If if we think about uh, uh, the removing frictions, I think the first uh, friction you usually have is that how much effort do I need to spend to get the, what I actually want? And and by uh, consolidating demand and supply, you can you can remove this effort uh, cost from the equation. But yeah, and I guess. In this marketplace structure, it's simply that you aggregate the demand and supply, you put all the entities in the same place, and then a human can easily find them there. But now, I guess AI is making it even more effective, or creating even more effective solutions for consolidating supply and demand. Yeah, I think this this matchmaking is is really the key there, that how do you actually uh, uh, connect the dots uh, between the, the, the who is needing the service and, and who is supplying it. But there is also other way to use AI. For example, in Uber Eats or in, in Volt food delivery service, you are using AI to predict the estimated time of arrival or the, when the food is ready, first when it needs to be picked up by the courier, and what is the, then the, the estimated time of delivery uh, to, to the end uh, Customer. So then, the friction in that case would be like my uncertainty how I'm waiting. So I make the order, and then I don't know if I can use the restroom or not because the food might be coming. But now, when I see it from my app, I don't have that uncertainty anymore. So I know when it comes. When it comes, so it makes my life easier. Exactly, and there, there the point is that there is the, the, the cost that you are, or, or kind of you have the worry, the anxiety that takes a toll of you, but now that is removed by visualizing, in this case, first of all, estimating this uh, time of arrival of the food, which is then visualized in the app in a nice way. So you can just glance at where it is, you can focus on to entertain your guests, and, 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 and in this way be in a much more calm mood. Yeah. And third way, I guess, is this, whether they will cheat me or not. So I provide my credit card information and hope that the food comes, but with rating systems, so I give stars to the 
application and to the courier so I can see that actually they deliver what they promise so I can trust and I can see others' reviews so I can trust that this person is trustworthy or this service is trustworthy. So not only I have to worry about the timing, but I also don't have to worry about whether they will do what they say. And I think this is cool because there is really concrete things in the transaction cost or friction in the sense what happens and then also the more psychological side. But all of these frictions are not what you as a business developer might first focus on because you would focus on the quality of the service or the quality of the product, but the more abstract type of effort needed for getting the product or services easily ignored. But a lot of these digital companies, platform companies have removed the effort so you get the same product but in an easier way and that's what creates the success. Yeah, that's the point. It wasn't that difficult to hail a taxi in a street corner earlier, but apps like Uber make it uh, really easy. And the point is that these are not the privilege of, of tech giants. These are techniques that any company can apply. For example, this how to remove uh, effort cost in getting something. For example, uh, uh, we discussed with a Finnish company called Kubbe, which is matchmaking friends for old persons. Because very often those who are living at, at, at in their home, they might be um, suffering of loneliness, might need also uh, somebody to visit them to do maybe some exercise, etc. So Gupe created this platform where there are the, 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 the older persons, there are those who would, would be happy to actually visit the person once a week or even more often. And then there are relatives that are very often living in a different uh, town or city. For example, my mom, I'm, we are using a, a, a Gupe, my mom lives uh, quite far from us. And I just then contacted Gubbe, they find the match and, and they check, did the background check. So they, they, they removed all the concerns that I had about uh, this. And every week uh, when this person is visiting my mom, I get the report that what did they do, a photo and a report, what they have done, what they discussed. And that, that sort of took, also creates comfort for me that there is somebody to visit. And then when I go myself to visit, I can discuss that how how has it gone with this uh, this person, etc. But it it seems to be going really well. Cooper continues as a good example also in in terms of focus, because when they are focusing on this one service, they get enough repetition or enough number of transactions so they can learn what works, what doesn't work, and which kind of processes are optimal. And and that en- enables digitizing, automating it later on, but also provides some legitimacy in the eyes of the users. So if you are focused on being the best in one select service, people start knowing you from that. But we have also talked about uh, with some other companies that have started in a very focused way that might not be so well known, but are on their way. Uh, for example, ISI is a satellite or, or space company that has launched uh, satellites into the, uh, into the sky that are monitoring or collecting data with the special cameras 
and then delivering that data into those who might use it. And and in that process where ISI started was that their journey has been uh, quite interesting because the first problem they solved was that how can you actually uh, take video uh, feed from the earth through cloud, through rain, in the dark. It You cannot do it with the traditional camera. So they focused on building a camera that does it regardless of the weather conditions. Oh yeah, so they developed this radar technology and then once they had the technology good enough, they developed the satellite around it so that they can put the radar on the sky and only after several years when they were able to do all this, they launched the satellites and expanded the fleet. But now they are in the position that they have, I think, 25 satellites in the sky and they provide best map of the Earth or mapping of the Earth and items on Earth that you can see also in the dark. Originally, as I started, also very focused, they selected very carefully that who would benefit of this information, the new information they are collecting. And they concluded that in the uh, in the north, ships that are uh, moving around in in, a, in those passages that have a high, ba- uh, very sort of the severe icing conditions, ice conditions, getting information about the ice and how it is moving is critical. And that's where they got started. But now they have expanded into many other fields, but for example, providing data about uh, uh, forest fires, how forests are being uh, cut uh, illegally, for example, and, and in this way being beneficial for the society at large. But this was enabled by Focus. So when they created the technology for tracking the icebergs and their movement, they ended up building a capability that is now applicable to, what you said, illegal cutting of trees or forests or measuring the flooding levels after a disaster and selling the data to insurance. But it really is about being very focused for a very long time. And then once you have created strong capability, strong reputation, strong legitimacy, you can leverage that capability and associated data in multiple different areas. Right, and the temptation very often is that once you get something working, you think that I have such a great technology that, that I can apply it into the many, many other areas and, and you start to sort of the, do too many things too early without uh, waiting that you get a, a scale in one focused area first. And once you have gotten that, then you can move to new areas. And I guess a lot of this moving happens... Uh, it can be business model innovations, but APIs, application programming interfaces, are one of the central ways for digital companies or companies with digital data to connect with other companies and expand into new areas. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think rather than handshaking, shaking hands in the in the in the room with the real people, you shake hands electronically. That is, that you connect through APIs. Uh, for example, uh, Connect Corporation uh, is global manufacturer of the elevators and escalators and, and also some other equipment. 
they created APIs, for example, for the purpose of robots that are moving in high-rise buildings that they could automatically navigate uh, and call these escalators and elevators automatically through an API. So a great example how rather than building these uh, additional services by themselves, Kone is leveraging partners through these APIs. Yeah, And actually, I tried the ChatGPT API. So in qualitative research, you need to do a lot of interviews, then the interviews are transcribed, and then you find select themes from the interviews. And with ChatGPT, I was able to uh, connect to the API via Excel. So in Excel, I put my interview data there and then created another cell that would uh, contain what I'm looking for. And then the API connected me to ChatGPT and gave the coding of the interview data from in that way. So in a sense, I'm making a mini service on top of ChatGPT. And actually, I learned this from Henry Schild, who is a a professor and friend of mine who is very uh, active in this area. And maybe one more example about the APIs is we spoke a lot with Vaisala, which is a company producing weather data. So I guess the one of the largest in that. And they have also an API that enables third parties to use the weather data. So if you want to design your logistics in a way that uh, takes into account the weather, so you can optimize the routes or timing of your deliveries, you can integrate your software to their their data through the API and in this way innovate on top of the data. And I wanted to highlight this example because it's in so many domains, it's elevators, it's the digital services, it's weather data, it's logistics. So it really provides a way of multiplying the impact of the strong core that you have. Vaisala has been a very, uh, very active in in the weather domain. They have, they have, I don't know, they are like a eighty year old, almost hundred years old company. The very old company anyway. And and it's great to see how, how companies like that that started as a hardware company has added a lot of intelligence on top of the hardware, is now leveraging uh, AI and also APIs to expand their business and creating uh, new use cases around the core technology that is sensing the, the weather or other informa- environmental information. There are so many opportunities with APIs, AI platforms. How do you think that the world will change? First change that we have seen now is the way how we interact with computers. Actually, how do we interact with AI? Is that it's conversational UI, the conversational user interface, that I can just ask a question, outline a command, and things will start to happen. Whether that is uh, outlining a, a, a text, creating a poem, or or whether it is uh, uh, creating a picture for my next blog, 
I can just give it that, okay, I would like to have a picture that is uh, Timo in a robot format uh, in pixel art, and suddenly it pops up Timo's photo in in a modified, in an in a interesting way. So it's so exciting how how the creativity can flourish in this environment. In a sense, is it so that in the past, if you wanted to interact with a computer, you had to learn to speak in the language of the computer, but now with AI, the computer has actually learned to understand human language. And that that's what, what the natural UI means. Yes, and, the, and, and they're the, like, Today's computers, I need to have the mouse, I need to kind of click on the things, I need to uh, remember the the path where it was, I, I didn't need to look the search, but I can now just ask about the information and it, it brings it forward to me. So it's so much more fluent and we are just getting started with this one. We we are not, we have not, not, seen, uh, uh, not seen anything yet, one could say. But uh, coming back to the example I mentioned earlier, the, the Windows, it just got this conversational capabilities, Grammarly, um, as an example, the Duolingo, if you want to learn new languages, now you can role play with it, which is powered by this new generative AI capabilities. It's a conversational UI, I don't need any more to go to the teacher because the teacher is there in my application. So there is huge, huge in learning, so everyone gets a private teacher and private assistance in a se- assistant in a sense, and I guess a private lawyer. And yeah, I can see that there is so much more resources available for people now. For example, the, in in legal arena, we have seen that there is a, even PwC announced that they are going to have a, a AI-powered lawyer. A, a robot lawyer to assist the 4,000 people. They, so they are saying that the, the robot lawyer will be checking documents, creating documents. Human will t- still check them. But there is also a service in the U.S. called Do Not Pay, which can, if you get the parking ticket, you can challenge that by clicking and filing an, an, an a motion automatically. And uh, this Do Not Pay robot lawyer will do it on your behalf. So it is automating complaints. Is it a good thing or bad thing? That's a separate discussion. But what we are seeing is that uh, it becomes so much easier to create these services. So and the other, other, on the other hand, if you talk about impact to the people's work, we are seeing a lot of tasks that will disappear. But on the other hand, let's take an example of coding. Uh, uh, there is a service called Copilot, that will automate or or have a, the AI to do the coding on behalf of the software developer, a human. It can first assist, but some of the tasks it will start to do automatically. So one could argue that the, the downside is that a lot of coders will lose their jobs because they, they just disappear. They, they are automated by the AI. But on the other hand, I'm actually quite convinced that this will create a lot of new work that uh, because there there are so many innovations around the world that couldn't afford earlier to be coded and mm-hmm. and now they can basically say that okay 
AI, I would like to have this great new service. UI looks like this, and uh, and uh, and and the, and the user should be able to do this. And pops out an app. Okay, I'm a little bit exaggerating. It won't happen overnight, but uh, that's where we are going. You can describe the tasks uh, in a, in a plain English or Finnish, and and things will start to happen. Yeah, there is this old metaphor: the second industrial revolution or the end. Uh, industrial revolution, but I guess that's what happening. That is what is happening here. In that, it's not only that individual jobs will change a bit, but whole organizations will change, and the structure of the economy will probably change. If if that's true, that it becomes easier to start your own company, and one individual can suddenly have the resources of a or capabilities of a hundred individuals with AI, and I. Suppose those who are fastest or best able to develop this new kind of organizational form that leverages the technologies to the, their maximum potential will be able to provide huge amounts of value. Individuals uh, uh, can be instructed by AI, like what we are already seeing today, how Amazon is being uh, Sort of the managing their uh, workforce is through AI. Also, their supplier base, two million or, or something like that suppliers. It's only possible to to control and manage that kind of uh, uh, masses through AI. But uh, in some ways, the the the, the point is that uh, earlier we thought about that this is just for the sort of the lower lo, sort of the more like. Uh, Manual labor. Manual labor, exactly. But now we are seeing that this same thing is coming to a creative labor, that you can start to give instruction. If you are, for example, a designer, the AI can support you, it can guide you. On the other hand, it can also monitor your work, and, and this way it doesn't matter where you are, whether you are part of this organization or not. Uh, you, you You get the support, but you also can be monitored through this work, and in this way new kind of organizational structures can be created. Yeah, and I see that the kind of status of tasks and efforts of people can be tracked and controlled in a positive sense more and coordinated. Maybe that's the right word, coordinated rather than controlled. So so you don't need the stable organizational hierarchy or supervisory structures that much when with digital connections you can create optimal teams or optimal outcomes teams with people and technology to provide timely services. On the other hand, I I think that the, we are talking about that this is going to happen like a sna- snap of the fingers that, okay, AI just takes over. But I think we are very early stages that the, and, 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 and this change will require uh, that companies and organizations adapt their way of working. You just cannot take these new tools and plug them into the old structure. You need to also change the the sort of the way of working. And that's the challenge here. The winners will be those who embrace this early start to change, but don't rush it in a way that you foolishly believe that the AI will do now everything for, for you. Uh, I think the point is that the AI is not as smart as we think even though it's much smarter than we think in some matters, but it's much dumber than we think in some others, and and you need to understand these differences. So as a CEO, you should not fire everyone 
tomorrow and replace them with AI. But you should do more than just tell your people that now everyone start applying AI in your own job. The optimi- optimum is somewhere in between. You need to change ways of working. You need to change processes. You need to change structures. We don't know exactly how yet, but we know that the old structure and old processes are not going to be optimal. Right. I've been thinking about this in a way that there are... If, It's hard to visualize in a podcast, but <laughs> let's try to do it. If you have your x-axis that says that should you be building in the in the other end custom AI that you invest yourself and you build a, a build custom AI. In the other hand, you have off-the-shelf tools, Grammarly, whatever, Google, uh, Microsoft, that you can basically go and start applying. And then in the y-axis, you have the uh, In the in the in the bottom, you have the, that uh, you are talking about support processes like HR, legal, some of that are needed to sort of the manage company. And then in the in in the top, you have the hey, these are our core offering, our products and services that we are building. So if you are in the upper right hand corner, you are building a custom AI for to make your products and services more intelligence, like like you could be Tesla, you could be a, a, a vehicle manufacturer that makes your uh, uh, car to become more more intelligent, uh, whatever that might be. But it's it's the core offering. There you should think about how much should I invest and am I going fast enough? On the other hand, if you are in the uh, left bottom corner, the then, support. then you have a support function, maybe your marketing department, and you have these new tools that can automate everything. For example, there is a Jasper AI that will create the copyright on behalf of you once you give it a few hints that what should you do. It will build a platform, uh, it will build a website automatically for you if you have a, want to launch a landing page. So these are tools that you can apply today, but will require a changes to way of working. So need to you need to figure out where you are in this matrix and 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 then find the best way of sort of the, should I invest myself into de- AI development or should I leverage the ready-made tools? Yeah, I see that's a really great framework. And then I would add a third dimension, which is this how big a change you make to the work processes. So in one extreme is that you kind of maintain the current people and teams and structure and the other extreme is that you change everything. And I guess it's like you said that you kind of look what the tool is capable of doing, you adjust the processes to some extent to that. But on the other hand, in some areas you might want to develop the tool so that it uh, works in the current set of with the current set of people in a better way but it, it's really complicated equation right so now we already have a three dimensions in this matrix so if we had the fourth one that would be a time so how would the world look like in 20 years from from now on if we think about the change i think the productivity gain i i've used this word that the productivity is internet to power of two or three that the internet gave us the huge productivity boost. We are going to see a huge boost from from AI and platforms in the next 10, 20 years. 
huge changes in the how the, we should educate our people to this new, new world. So it's something to think about us as a teachers. So it's so exciting, but unfortunately we cannot really uh, visualize exactly how this fourth dimension looks and it's getting so messy that we can just sort of the, uh, think about some, some, some creative thoughts, where are we going and then uh, start to do something today to succeed in this new world. Let's hope that our podcast today and our whole series inspires people to be open-minded, experiment and create ways that increase productivity, well-being and sustainability. Let's hope and let's try to make sure of that when we are meeting people in the real world outside of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you all. Mm.